Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Lasers now could one day manipulate rain and lightning. Controlling the weather is the ultimate super weapon. It's even more powerful than the atomic bomb. We physicists are firing trillion watt lasers into the sky to actually precipitate rain clouds and actually bring down lightning bolts. Weather modification has definitely been an ongoing endeavor of governments all over the world for decades. Hello again, hushlings. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our little brother, Slick Frank Sanders. Aside oh, it. Slick Frank Sanders here. What's up, guys? Chilling? Living the dream. Ah, uh, that's what it's all about. The dream is being lived. The dream is alive in me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Hushlings, if you tuned in with us last time, you would know that we covered flat Earth. That's right, croissant-shaped planets. We covered (laughs) everything from the likes of hallucinations of floating cities and ice domes on the polar caps, as well as the planet's access and why we think that the Earth isn't flat, or why you might think the Earth is flat, vice versa. I think we just have to say sorry, not sorry for some of the things that we said. I can't subscribe to Flat Earth. Yeah, it's hard to buy into that. I feel like it's just a really far stretch. I mean, maybe I'm just not well enough researched on it. Maybe I can use some swaying by like a really (laughs) well-rounded Flat Earther. (laughs) (laughs) You need more God in your life. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When we started this show, I think one thing that we weren't very clear about our show was the fact that we weren't going to subscribe necessarily to every single conspiracy theory that we would talk about. I think a lot of people think that once you start listening to a conspiracy theory podcast or any kind of conspiracy theorist, that they're going to agree with every conspiracy that comes across their eyes. And that's definitely not true with us. There will be some stuff that we have in the past said that we don't believe in or that we don't agree with, and there will be plenty more to come. So if you are just looking for people that will agree with your beliefs already, then this is not the show for you. We split it three ways before on shows. Not all conspiracies are created equally. No. It's true. It's definitely one of those things that people walk into conspiracy theory podcasts expecting that they're going to listen to an episode on Flat Earth and we're going to say, yeah, we believe in it. And we're just going to back it wholeheartedly without looking at facts. But uh, we believe in science around here. For Debriefing 23, we are going into HARP. This is going to be an exciting one. I like that you said exciting because it's about exciting the atmosphere. So fun. But before we get ourselves into that storm, we just want to remind everybody to check us out on all our social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also head over to our YouTube channel where you can find all the audio up to and including this episode. And Hushlings, very, very exciting news. We've become official around here. Official tissue, you could say. 
we now have a website. And it's very simple to remember. It's very simple to get to all of our episodes, all of our links, our merch store. Everything is compiled there. You can join our mailing list. You can contact us with any research or anything that we've always asked you for. It's very simple. Hush Hush Society dot com is live so head on over there and please check it out join the mailing list and uh explore you got to go in on incognito mode to look it up though you can't have that being watched yeah (laughs) (laughs) and hushlings check out our cryptid chronicles episodes that are currently out which is the jersey devil and mothman we're going to be recording and releasing an episode fairly soon on the chupacabra with another guest and don't forget to check out our revamped declassified discussions where we are going to continue having interviews but with some pretty cool guests and we're very excited for the people that we're about to have on so stay tuned for that and lastly check out the hush hush apparel The drip has never been drippier, folks. Get fly. Get fancy. Peep the drip. You can find that at hushhushsociety.com. Let's get into it, boys. Let's activate the system. HARP, also known as the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, was initiated as an ionospheric research program jointly funded by the U.S. Air Force, the U.S. Navy, and the University of Alaska Fairbanks, and the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA. It was designed and built by BAE Advanced Technologies. Its original purpose was to analyze the ionosphere and investigate the potential for developing ionosphere enhancement technology for radio communications and surveillance. The most prominent instrument of HARP is the Ionospheric Research Instrument, or the IRI, a high-power radio frequency transmitter facility operating in the high-frequency band. The IRI is used to temporarily excite a limited area of the ionosphere. Other instruments such as a VHF or a UHF radar, a fluxgate magnometer, a digisond, and an induction magnometer are used to study the physical processes that occur in that excited region. We have no idea what any of that is. (laughs) No, I'm literally having a stroke. These pieces of equipment excite the nipples of the ionosphere. Yeah, the very sensitive regions that are very easily manipulated and excited. Very tingly. The principal instrument that we had said before, the IRI, is a phased array of 180 high-frequency cross-dipole antennas spread across 33 acres capable of radiating 3.6 megawatts into the upper atmosphere and ionosphere. Transmit frequencies are selectable in the range of 2.7 to 10 MHz, and since the antennas form a sophisticated phased array, the transmitted beam can take many shapes, can be scanned over a wide angular range, and multiple beams can be formed. The facility uses 30 transmitter shelters, each with 6 pairs of 10 kW transmitters to achieve the 3.6 mW transmit power. Let's break this down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This thing is pumping out some power. I think that's one thing that we can take away from this whole uh, very informative section. It's taking a lot of power, but it's putting a lot of power into the atmosphere. 
all the mega jabillion watts. I think the thing that's very interesting is the fact it can be scanned over wide ranges and multiple beams can be formed. That's pretty interesting because if you've ever seen a picture of heart, literally looks like just 33 something acres of old 80s, 90s TV antenna that you'd have on top of your house just interlocked. <laughs> it looks very simple, almost just like a grid of power lines, really. But at the same time, it's doing this crazy ass shit that a majority of the people don't even have an idea about. Yeah, or what it actually does. Mm. It's just exciting particles in the atmosphere in certain layers. It's for the research to see what happens up there, but why? You know, I guess surveillance and radio technology, but what's the real reason? It says originally its purpose was to analyze the ionosphere. So at what point did it cross over to starting to excite the ionosphere? Exactly. You don't necessarily have to manipulate something to observe it and analyze it. It kind of makes me wonder if it was just a result of them putting out so much power to investigate the ionosphere. Yeah, just a byproduct that they can't really get around. I think the number one question is why they're developing this enhancement technology, but you have to go to the source of who wanted it, the Air Force, the Navy, and DARPA, and then mm. taking some really smart people at a university. You got to ask that question. Why is members of the DOD making this just to do research? Because if it was just research-based, you'd think it would just be University of Alaska. That's a good point. Why are they the number two that's right there? Also, it kind of makes me wonder the involvement of the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And maybe I'm just weary of anything to do with Alaska or Antarctica or any of those like frozen tundra type places <laughs> based on our past few episodes. But why that university? Why that institution along with, like you said, the Air Force and the Navy and DARPA? DARPA, I think, would be an interesting episode for us to do on also. Yeah, I think we'll pencil that in. For sure. Mm, we'll pencil it in. Work on the HARP facility began in 1993. The current working IRI was completed in 2007. Its prime contractor was BAE Systems Advanced Technologies. As of 2008, HARP had incurred around $250 million in tax-funded construction and operating costs. That's a lot of cash. That's big money. That's a lot of hush drip. Yeah, you can mm. buy a lot of stuff with yeah, that Yeah, what shit. are they doing with that money? Come on. We jump ahead a little bit. In May of 2014, it was announced that the HARP program would be permanently shut down later in the year. After discussions between the parties, ownership of the facility and its equipment was transferred solely to the University of Alaska Fairbanks in August of 2015. Dude, the DFDs gotta still have their fingers in that, man. There's no fucking way. That, yeah, that, like they just yeah. walked off. Yeah, they're like, here, you can have ownership of it, but we're still gonna have people in the building, so... I severely doubt that the DOD was just like, oh, well, we're done with this. You guys can have it. <laughs> It, it just, it doesn't seem like something that they would do, especially if you look at the work that was done to it and the work that came from it and the ability to excite the atmosphere at their will. That's, mm. that's kind of a powerful thing if you really look at it. Oh, well, yeah. And that really takes us into the conspiracy behind HARP. HARP is a target of conspiracy theorists and hushlings alike who claim that it is capable of, quote, weaponizing weather. 
Commentators and scientists say that advocates of this theory are uninformed, as claims may fall well outside the abilities of the facility, if not the scope of natural science. Um... <laughs> it doesn't seem too far-fetched. I mean, it I doesn't. I, it really no, doesn't. It doesn't seem like it's outside the abilities of the facility. No, I'm not a meteorologist. I don't fully understand. Like, but I would imagine if you're exciting the atmosphere, there's got to be some type of changes. It's not out of the realm of possibility if they're putting that much power into any part of the atmosphere. Like, let's say where clouds form. Mm-hmm. You know, especially storm clouds. If you excite that area and put power into that, it's just like a storm coming across the Atlantic Ocean, gaining power and turning into a yeah. hurricane. Who's to say they can't target that either? That was another thing that I was kind of thinking is maybe the DOD and the Navy and all these militaristic compartments just kind of look at it and figure out if we can excite the ionosphere and if we figured out that this is the way to do it, then why couldn't they focus it on certain areas? Why couldn't they test it out even? We run it on this certain frequency, what happens? Does it create a blizzard? Does it create a tornado, a thunderstorm? What does it do? Does it do anything at all? I think if the military had figured out a way to really focus that energy into the ionosphere and create more ions and excite the entire area, why couldn't they use that as a weapon in certain places? I just feel like it's an opportunity that they wouldn't pass up. No, there's a very good reason as to why they wouldn't pass it up. Because from a military standpoint, that's the best energy weapon that you could possibly harness. It doesn't completely demolish the planet like a, a nuclear weapon would without the devastating effect of radiation and cancer that prolongs through generations. You know, they could wipe out foreign adversaries with natural weather conditions just targeted and manipulated by people um so on one hand it's it's kind of awesome but on the other hand it's like appalling because you you really shouldn't play with natural forces like that but if it was like between a nuke and like some sort of crazy natural disaster i think anybody would pick the natural disaster yeah nobody wants to see nukes another advantage of having that type of weapon is that you can't have fingers pointed at you that's nope. true yeah if the military had activated something over a foreign country and used it as a weapon and it disabled a runway or something yeah. and had disabled their airplanes or their ships or anything like that, that country can't turn around and go, well, America did it. They caused this tornado to come over our airstrip. Mm -hmm. That would be ridiculous. Let's get a little bit into who created the actual development of the project. Dr. Bernard Eastland is the scientist whose name is most associated with the creation and development of the HARP project. His revealing website provides reliable information on his involvement with the project. I did poke around on it, but I wouldn't say it's revealing. There was no revealing atmospheric excitement. A 1987 patent issued to Dr. Eastland is titled Method and Apparatus for Altering a Region in the Earth's Atmosphere, Ionosphere, and or Magnetosphere. In this patent, which sets the stage for HARP, Dr. Eastland makes a number of fascinating statements which clearly contradict the claim that it is only being used for research and not for a military purpose such as weather control. Here are a few of the key statements taken verbatim from the patent. Temperature of the ionosphere has been raised by hundreds of degrees in these experiments. 
A means and method is provided to cause interference with or even total disruption of communications over a very large portion of the Earth. This invention could be employed to disrupt not only land-based communications, both civilian and military, but also airborne communications and sea communications. This would have significant military implications. It is possible to take advantage of one or more such beams to carry out a communications network, even though the rest of the world's communications are disrupted. It can be used to an advantage for positive communication and eavesdropping purposes. Exceedingly large amounts of power can be very efficiently produced and transmitted. Weather modification is possible by, for example, altering upper atmosphere wind, or altering solar absorption patterns by constructing one or more plumes of atmospheric particles, which will act as a lens or a focusing device. Ozone, nitrogen, etc. concentrations in the atmosphere could be artificially increased. Electromagnetic pulse defenses are also possible. The Earth's magnetic field could be decreased or disrupted at appropriate altitudes to modify or eliminate the magnetic field. Ah. Just a couple of these points in this patent already contradict everything that they say that they're not doing. Because if it's possible, they say, well, it's not possible to do that. Well, there's three bullet points on part of this patent list that say weather modification is possible. <laughs> One thing that I'm kind of picking up from this is a thing that we hadn't really taken into account is the ability to disrupt communications, which also, as they said, is a huge militaristic advantage. That's one thing that we hadn't really thought of when we were looking into this is the ability to act as maybe like a natural disaster EMP. Not that this happened because Harp wasn't fully constructed at this time, or so we think. But do you remember the blackout in 2003, in the summer 2003? Oh, yeah. How it was all the way from like Montreal down to DC or something like that. Holy East, yep, old Northeast. Yep. And they said it was from a solar storm originally that hit the power grid, or there was something wrong with the power grid, but to knock out a grid that's the entire Northeast. Like it says in one of these patent lists, you can focus a beam to either knock out communications. That would probably include the power grids as well. Could that blackout not have been a coronal mass ejection hitting the Earth and fucking up the power grid somewhere in Canada or wherever the hell it happened? Hmm. And could it have actually been a targeted hit at this point? Because now it's not within the realm of impossibility that certain natural disasters... You have to question, I guess, now that certain natural disasters that are very suspect in areas that they either shouldn't be happening or they're too powerful. We can't just maybe blame it on, oh, that's just global warming situation. Well, by saying that, are you implying that other world superpowers might possibly have technology like this? Because like, why, why would we do that to, to the Northeast? Why would you do that to our own country? I would say absolutely, because to just think about it, just with us, just take some of the superpowers that are here. Like you have the United States, you have China, you have Russia, and just think about the mirroring of their space programs. If they have these mirrored technologies, and some might even have better that you don't even know about, if they're doing stuff like that, then I'd say hell yeah. All these countries probably have the capability for weather disruption. I was looking into Dr. Eastland, the man who created HARP, mm -hmm. and if you look a little further into his background and things that he's done, so he had authored 53 peer-reviewed scientific papers, and he also had 23 U.S. patents for applications for like well drilling, sterilization of medical devices, high-intensity lighting, and atmospheric plasma heating. 
Mm. Now, if you look at some of these patents, which are, you can pretty much find them if you just Google them. A lot of them have to do with UV multiplication systems. It says within the patent that he used them within medical devices to like sterilize medical parts. Oh, that the topic that has come up with sterilizing your stuff during this whole pandemic situation is using oh, yeah. a little UV box. Yep. Yeah. 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 He had these UV multiplication devices that he was patenting, but he also had high intensity discharge lamps, more UV flux things. There's a lot of things in here that point to maybe he was using some stuff for medical uses, but also there's a method and apparatus utilizing microwaves to enhance electrode arcs. Method and apparatus for a large volume plasma processor. A what? A method for producing a shell of relativistic particles at an altitude above the Earth's surface. This dude was on some, like, mad scientist, super genius type yeah. shit. Yeah. Looking at the one that I just mentioned, the method for producing a shell of relativistic particles, just looking at it real quick, it says it's used to excite electron cyclotron resonance heating in normally occurring plasma at an altitude of at least 250 kilometers to generate a mirror force which lifts said plasma to said altitude of at least 1500 kilometers. Heating is continued at a second frequency to expand the plasma to the apex of said field line whereupon at least some of the plasma is trapped and oscillates between mirror points. So it, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's odd, but it, he created a way to shoot superheated plasma up into the atmosphere. I'm no podiatrist, but to me, that sounds like he was exciting the ionosphere with UV and plasma. Which would in turn heat the atmosphere even more. And excite the ionosphere. The particles that have been shot up there. Yeah. The ions in the ionosphere are excited by UV. That's the whole point that I'm trying to get at, is that if they created HARP to just study the ionosphere or study the atmosphere of the Earth, why is the man who created this pretty much letting in more UV into the ionosphere to excite it? Just some of the bullets in that patent and just some of the other patents that you had just said. It was obviously research purposes, but like Frank said, mad scientist research purposes at the same time. This thing was definitely not created just to study. I would think that it would be pretty damaging to superheat the atmosphere. Yeah, I feel like normal scientists aren't just like, I'm going to shoot up some wicked hot plasma into the atmosphere. It's <laughs> kind of mess with it a little bit just see what happens and then, and then once they do why continue once you see what happens why continue to mess with it unless you had further intentions well it goes into him having these patents and then maybe that's how he found he can fund it and start this on a huge level is using military and getting the funding through that the reason why they did it in a certain portion of alaska could have been geographical i mean obviously it's remote and it's still in the united states or it could be because of the proximity of the university of alaska too which mm. is a great cover-up for research purposes and alaska's fucking huge yeah yeah so, so like that's so, that's the perfect proving ground for these crazy experiments to go on and nobody to be the wiser it's kind of naive to not think that this might be something that they're using and have been using right in front of our faces for quite a long time. It's a good ploy on starting shit all over the world, too. As we said, we'll talk a little bit more about the weather, but could HARP 
since it's superheating the ionosphere and parts of the atmosphere, and we did talk about the magnetosphere, could the heart antennas be generating earthquakes? A conspiracy blogger named Eric Dubay that lives in Thailand is part of the crowd that believes the United States used HARP to cause the 8.9 magnitude earthquake that rocked northern Japan in March 2011, leading to the devastating Fukushima nuclear meltdown. The argument from Dubay and others is that waves generated by HARP antennas are focused on a specific part of the ionosphere with enough force to make the entire thing buckle into space. The ionosphere snaps back toward the ground with enough precision to cause a massive earthquake that devastates a strategic target that furthers American economic and defensive interests. Essentially, they, they have a tsunami slingshot. <laughs> Obviously, we can't feel these processes. That's not something that we can feel like the magnetics of and all these other forces. <laughs> I guess the way that they explained it is if it snapped back, you'd think that everybody on the ground would be like, oh, like, <laughs> you know? yeah. but I guess that would in turn be the earthquake, the aftermath of whatever force they're putting into the ground from the atmosphere. So I guess it makes sense because it's all connected. I wonder if that's something that they could measure, like mm. figure out see like where it happened geological studies are constantly being done around the world i wonder mm -hmm. if they could look at certain earthquakes that took place maybe major ones and see if there were any ionospheric changes right before or maybe hours or, or a couple days leading up to that earthquake happening to like where the epicenter might have been close by like they talk about the japanese earthquake that took place the fukushima incident mm -hmm. I wonder if they could look and see if there were ionospheric changes that happened leading up to that earthquake. I'm sure they've done that research. I'm sure every aspect has been looked at with that one. Do you think they have, though? No. I mean, like, that would be something I would look at. Like, do you think that they were, they look at the earthquake and they go, hmm, maybe we should check out the atmosphere above it to see if that affected the earthquake at all? Well, if all of the world powers had something of this capability, I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. What do they have to lose from checking if they are able to measure that sort of ionospheric difference? That's kind of an abstract thought in itself. Or maybe it's not. Maybe maybe it's just an abstract thought to me because I don't study earthquakes or the atmosphere or anything. So maybe you're right. Maybe they have looked at stuff like that. See, the only thing that I can, I can say that maybe that this could have been something that was targeted obviously was the proximity of that power plant but there's a couple other earthquakes that have been blamed for this that are in other areas well it's funny that you mentioned that because there are people who claim that the u.s for whatever reason caused the january 2010 earthquake in haiti the best guess anybody's come up with is that haiti was the perfect place for a test run of sorts which is among 13 reasons included in a post on godlike productions that argues the u.s should be suspected for causing the quake in port au prince there is some sort of conspiracy group out there that is saying that yeah the u.s it's possible that the U.S. did this as a test. I would like to look a little bit more in depth into some reasons why I personally am perplexed. Why would you do it in a country that if you shake it, you ruin it? It could barely sustain yeah. itself as is. But because look at the infrastructure of the country that you're hitting. It's not like if you cause an earthquake in Haiti that you're going to cause billions upon billions of dollars worth of 
damage. Whereas if you cause an earthquake in Washington, D.C., you'd take down fucking buildings and destroy all these different things. So, yeah, of course, you target a small, poor area where you're not going to do a ton of damage. And I hate to say it, where nobody's really going to care that it happens. Wow. Can't speak for everybody in this country, but I mean, how many people didn't? give a shit when that happened you're sitting here watching the news and you're like oh my god that's awful this is crazy you see the red cross commercial your your stomach drops and then you flick the channel to comedy Central. yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) that's a sad reality of it if this was a real thing if the u.s did indeed have this technology and were able to create an earthquake using it let's say that new york uh, maybe they're a bad example. No, we'll- no, New York, not a bad example. There's an actual ancient fault line in that area, which goes all the way up through Connecticut. Okay, so let's say New York gets hit by an 8.9 earthquake. Done. Brings down fucking buildings and people trapped in the subway mm. and all this other stuff. Do you think that the world and the U.S. is going to respond to that more favorably? And I, I use that just because it's like bleeding heart type stuff, but more favorably than a second or third world country. Yeah, New York well, would be the talk H- of the Haiti town. Haiti got a lot of aid. If we did do that, at least we went there and kind of fixed it and cleaned it up as best as we could. They sent troops, they sent the Red Cross, but at the same time, it was devastating for Haiti. And you have to look at all the aid that were sent through certain groups and agencies never reached Haiti. You want to talk about maybe a certain foundation run by a former ex-president and his first lady that received many, many dollars to rebuild Haiti and that money never got there. Mm. Yeah. Another show, another day. (laughs) (laughs) Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam, the provocateur. And together we are the Spy Hearts Podcast. Every Tuesday, we decode the best and the worst of spy cinema to decipher if they make the knock list. That's right. The knock list is the need-to-see official classics of the spy genre. The best of the best, so to speak. Nobody does it better. From Born to Bond and Powers to Palmer, you can bet we will cover it. So subscribe now and revel in the audio equivalent of a smooth martini. Just search for SpyHards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S, on all major podcast apps. And let's just hope you find us before we find you. I'm Declassified Dave. Now I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Your preceptors are back, strapping in and launching to the moon. We explore all the facts and the claims stating that NASA did not actually land on the lunar surface. We look through the telescope on the space race and global competition, radiation belts, 1960s technology, and other anomalies. Could NASA have carried out a hoax on the most giant leap for mankind? Join us Monday, May 31st for Debriefing 24, the Apollo moon landing hoax. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. This is the thing that I think a lot of people don't think about is that, like you said, if it happens to New York or Los Angeles or something like that, then people would probably be like, oh, well, geez, this this is huge. And that's why 
Fukushima was such a big deal because it was a major area in Japan. If something happens there, it's world news. It's just like something happening in the And United it's States. still leaking radiation into the oceans. Yes. yes. Another conspiracy theorist that was on ufoblogger.com that goes a step further in trying to predict what will be hit next. He said most likely the next target will be the New Madrid fault line in the south midwestern United States. So... If you guys don't know where that is, it pretty much goes straight through the St. Louis area. And it has produced major earthquakes while the United States has been the United States. And I think that that gets wiped kind of from like certain people's minds is that there is a lot of major areas in the U.S., especially obviously here in the whole West Coast. You can hit that with something and be like, well, well, it's just a San Andreas fault system that that finally had happened. Who's to say that it can't be tested on our own country because the next thing we're about to get into could quite possibly have been multiple times that's happened to us and we just don't know about it. There's a storied tradition of blaming devastating hurricanes on harp. That trend hit a fever pitch in 2005. First it was Katrina, then Rita, Sandy, and then Wilma. Interestingly, HARP saw its funding peak that same year at $49.3 million. But why would the U.S. government want to inflict devastation to its own citizens? And how exactly would scientists in Alaska generate Atlantic hurricanes with shortwave radio communication? I remember Sandy very well. I mean, look at Katrina. That was an absolute devastation of an American city. Yeah. Sandy destroyed New Jersey, right? Yeah, it tore through pretty good. And I think flooded the lower Manhattan area. My brother, I think, was in college in New York City at the time when he had to be evacuated into Connecticut. I think it was Hurricane Sandy that Virginia had that earthquake shortly before. Yeah. Really? People at work said that they felt it. Was that Irene? It might have been Hurricane Irene. It might. It was one of the two. I think it was Hurricane Irene. That one, I remember wiping out power for eight, nine days in central Connecticut, but having an earthquake on the East Coast, it's very rare. Not like it doesn't happen, but the fact that an earthquake happened, what, like a, was it a week after the hurricane hit? I think we just had gotten power back. Everybody was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like everything's shaking. It's kind of sus. Yeah. A little sus. And Katrina, nobody's ever seen a hurricane, I think that big and do that much damage. That was a big one. Yeah. There's a Stanford professor named Umran Anan, and he told Popular Science that this is absolute hogwash. There's absolutely nothing we can do to disturb the Earth's weather systems. Even though the power of harp radiates is very large, it is minuscule compared to the power of a lightning flash, and that there are 50 to 100 lightning flashes every second, and harp's intensity is very small. He just said it was very large. Umran Anan is hogwash. He said the power that harp radiates is large. But its intensity is small. (laughs) Again, I am not a scientist. So... I would have to say, of course, the power of harp is not going to be able to produce lightning strikes, but the power that it puts into the ionosphere and the power that it radiates into the the general atmosphere could build into a storm that could create lightning. True. So just kind of nudging it in the right direction. Yeah, it's like lighting a fuse. A fuse is not going to explode itself, but the fuse leads to the larger explosion. 
Yes. Yeah. Most folks are not going to think twice when they see a large tropical storm barreling across the Western Atlantic Ocean. And then now the hurricane watches and warnings and tropical storm warnings come in on the East Coast and for the Caribbean. Nobody thinks twice that, oh, it's been a hot year, shallower water, the normal processes that happen with the way Atlantic hurricanes happen. So nobody would ever think twice. The storm obviously is a natural storm, but who's to say they didn't blast it a bunch of times because it grew substantially like nobody's ever seen once it hit the Gulf. And they, they just blame it on, oh, well, the Gulf was pretty warm that year. And that creates obviously stronger weather systems. Who's going to look into that, especially in 2005? This brings us into a much more recent and frequent natural disaster that is plaguing our country. And that would be the wildfires in California. Northern California's campfire, which recently became the deadliest in the state's history, and in Southern California, the Woolsey and Hill fires. A deeply weird conspiracy theory holds that those fires aren't caused by wind patterns, brutally dry conditions, and or the worsening effects of the climate, or even possibly downed power lines, but by a sinister scheme directed by nefarious elements within the government. The claim is is that the fires are caused by DEWs, or direct energy weapons. That is, the government directed lasers bent on destroying homes, property, and lives. Stores and restaurants were wiped out, while other things were still in perfect shape. Trees were untouched in certain areas, but specific structures and vehicles and, unfortunately, human beings were just devastated. Have you guys seen the pictures of, of these energy weapons, like, touching down? Do you think those are real? Ah, man, yeah, there's that one... There's a couple, a couple videos. Dave and I were talking the other day about the one in China, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some interesting videos out there. If you take a look, I mean, you could just type it into YouTube or I don't know if YouTube started blocking these things, but go to a bit shoot or something and look up these direct energy weapons and you'll see videos. Oh, shit. I forgot about that China one. There were some people that said that it was just rare occurrence of this certain type of lightning. But if you look at this video, if it's untouched, if it's like just, just raw footage, I'm not sure if it's been tampered with or anything. But the video shows like a clear beam of what looks like a laser. A huge laser. Yeah, just shooting through the clouds past these buildings and you see the sparks come off of the things that it hits. And it looks, I mean, it does not look like lightning. No. 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 There's a lot of videos out there of direct energy weapon type things that you can look into. If you've never looked into the background of direct energy weapons, please do. It's yes. very, very interesting. There are aircraft carriers and different destroyers and stuff within the Navy, the naval fleets that have direct energy weapons. So they are a real thing. Mm-hmm. And those lasers, they track missiles, they track planes, everything. And they, satellites, they can, all of it. Yeah, satellites, they can shoot them down with lasers. It's a very real thing. So with the influx of satellites that are going up into the outer rim of Earth and the satellites that are already there, I don't know. That's a thing in itself, but I truly believe that not all of them are just used for carrying the Big Bang Theory to your TV <laughs> or uh, internet or anything like that. Well, there's no purpose for creating a beam that, that's like six school buses wide. There's no purpose for it other than nefarious reasons. I, I, you're right. When you see that picture, it looks like it's coming straight out of like a science fiction movie or a video game. Yeah, one of the Star Wars like Star Destroyers. That's why I was saying it, it kind of looks fake. Like the Death Star beam coming down and hitting you. 
Yeah, like yeah, exactly. The last second on Alderaan, man. Boof. <laughs> oh, jeez. No. Does anybody else smell barbecue? <laughs> do you think Australia was set on fire by one of these direct energy weapons, or do you really buy the buy the ploy that it was a bunch of hooligans? I think Australia is just a fucking land of hell. They have all the deadliest fucking animals on earth, and people still <laughs> choose to so live cool. there. Oh, I love living in Australia. It's amazing. I wake up Step with fucking spiders on my face. The size of a basketball. No <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> Everything is amazing. I woke up this morning, and I had a fucking coyote sitting on my kitchen counter eating my fucking toast. Like, oh, just, it's, it sounds, they have, like, it sounds miserable. They have, like, crocodiles and shit. You have to box a kangaroo when you're going down a jog. Yo, you seen that dude fucking punch the kangaroo he in the face? that kangaroo in the face. That sounds miserable. Like, why would anybody want to go there? Yeah, I'm going to go to Australia. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to bring my kids. My kids are going to get fucking eaten by hippos. Like, fuck that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's hippos. In we we, we love Australia. We're just, we're just shitting on how weird it is. Bet. If you're from Australia, tell me about the fucking dangerous hippos that exist there. Yep. And how your whole entire land mass was set on fire. It's yeah. Crazy. No no joke, though. Uh, Australia, we're sorry about the fires. Yeah. We feel for yeah, you, I hope you're okay. I mean, there's nothing really there, so you're probably fine. Oh, my God. Yeah. What, what did it really burn? The fucking dirt? Come on. Jeez. Come on. <laughs> I apologize for the Come both on. of them. Let's talk about a little little something outside the box when it comes to harp and we've been talking about the weather and direct energy weapons and how it could affect all these natural disasters but uh let's get to the real meat and potatoes of it mind control that's what it always boils down to right every time i mean of all the conspiracies floating around about harp this is the most far-fetched, scientifically speaking. The government is using shortwave radio communication generated by Gakona, Alaska to control the minds of unsuspecting Americans. They're in your head, bro. They're in your head. Bottom line. In the past, conspiracy theorists often accused the high-frequency active auroral research program also known as HARP, of engaging in intentional weather modification. They will have to find someone else to blame for the weather because HARP has been closed since early May in 2014. Or so they say. Or so they say. Publicly. I wonder if you can go up there if it's like Area 51. You just get, there's like signs that say government facility around it still. All of a sudden you see the glare of a sniper in the distance. <laughs> Hushlings. Our first gathering is going to be not Storm Area 51, but Storm Harp. Let's Storm all in Alaska. <laughs> I'll, I'll set up the Facebook Get your event. winter jackets yeah. out. Do it. You'll, you'll be on the news. You'll be like, nah, I swear it was just a joke. <laughs> we can all ride moose into it. <laughs> just everybody mount That'd your moose. Badass. <laughs> Put your tinfoil helmets on. Mount your moose. <laughs> we ride at dawn. <laughs> Oh, wait, you don't know what's dawn, right? Because, no, you don't know what's dawn. Because I think it's pretty low in Alaska. I don't think you have the crazy full-time daytime, nighttime. Can you imagine? We ride at dawn and you're like, dude, it's 22 hours of daylight. <laughs> it's all dawn. <laughs> yeah. That's the conspiracy. It's always been dawn. It's the cross point of the sun's uh, figure eight. Yep. So there's just yep. constant dawn. Let's get into our final thoughts. David, thoughts on HARP? I think HARP, whether it's the the facility in Alaska, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's more than one 
that they've made. There's got to be some mainland United States that you don't know about that are around. Oh, they figured it's out to where you can put like an array on a satellite. I mean, who knows? Satellite warfare technology is pretty impressive and it has been for quite some times, especially with drone technology and all that other shit. I really think it's a possibility and a high possibility that this is still being used for obviously research and it's probably obviously being used for other things because like you said there's no fingerprints it's untraceable unless you can trace an anomaly in the atmosphere of excited particles but how can you trace that so you're not going to ever see it i personally think that this is something that's probably used for weather modification whether it's weather weapons debatable but there's a lot of sus there's parts of this that I think are very viable and I think they're still in use. But I think one of the reasons that they shut down the HARP facility is because they've just moved on to being portable. Mm-hmm. I would say. I really do believe that there was some sort of mistake, quote unquote, where they saw, okay, we were studying the ionosphere and then how much energy we were putting out kind of affected it and that was a byproduct of it. And I think that's where the focus really turned, especially for the DOD and the military, where they saw we can alter some things about the atmosphere and alter some things using these frequencies and using this technology. So I think they kind of took all that time technology and just made it smaller or put it up into satellites, made it so that it was able to be concealed. You made a really good point before and you said with satellites, what if you go bigger than satellites? Like you put that thing on a full deck of an aircraft carrier and that thing's just got stealth technology floating around. You don't know where it is in the ocean and that's a portable way to target. I really do believe, like I said, if the DoD wasn't involved and the military was involved, then they tried to figure out a way to weaponize this in any way possible, whether it was weather modification or direct energy weapons or anything of the sort. I really do believe that they saw this as an opportunity to turn it into a weapon, even if they only for a small amount of time or continued to do it today, used it to disrupt enemy communications. I think it's very possible that what came from HARP developed into a lot of the things that maybe the military continued to use today. That's my take on it. Well said. Frank, final thoughts? Frank's final thoughts. Modern hush-hush society conspiracy theorists suggest. I genuinely think that HARP and the military and the DOD are testing weather manipulation technology right in front of our eyes, and we have no idea because, like we've said time and time again, you can't trace it. And it very well could have been that potato chip scenario where it kind of came about as a mistake and they just ran with it. And here they are shooting lasers down into China and fucking causing massive tsunamis. Now, that's not 100% fact, but I definitely think it's a very real possibility. And even if they're not manipulating natural disasters to that extent, they're absolutely using it in the terms of communications disabling or something along those lines. This technology is too advanced and too powerful to not be used. The fact that it's not traceable and it's it's not incredibly devastating in the terms of not using it as a natural disaster weapon. There's no reason as to why they wouldn't be using it. I definitely think it's something being used by our military. Time to shut down this array. Hmm. Yes, I think that's going to do it for our harp episode. Hushlings, what do you think? What do you believe that the 
government was doing and using HARP for. Reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts. Did we miss something? Should we have delved deeper into the conspiracy? You can reach us at Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, or even better, HushHushSociety.com. You can leave your thoughts there. Send us a little message. Say hello. Tell us how much you love the website. We would really appreciate it. We would. We would. And Hushlings, tune in to our one-year anniversary live show. It will be August 17th. And as we've said before, we are going to put on our cloaks and join the NWO and talk the Illuminati. And it will be streaming on Facebook and anywhere you can find it August 17th. Hushlings, thank you so much for tuning in and staying tuned in until the end. This was our take on Harp, and Monday, May 31st, we will be covering the moon landings. That will be debriefing 24. It is going to be great. It's going to be out of this world. Oh my god, or very well within this world. Or very well within this <laughs> world. Like in a building almost. Some sort of <laughs> soundstage. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. We'll see you in two weeks. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember... The best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.